Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. When you're reading, uh, you know, I read from the NASV. Now, when you're reading this, there, there's several people in this book, and I'll explain that in a second. But when you're reading through this, let me, let me find it. When I'm reading through it, I'm going to keep repeating it until I find it. Here it is. Okay. So, a few recommendations. One, and April will tell you this, the Passion Translation is a gift to the church. Okay, it is a gift to the church. Milton's amen and that. It's a gift from God. And uh, it'll make you squirm if you're, you get a little uncomfortable with intimacy, but I think it's a good thing. Now, if you don't, if you, I think you can pick one up on Amazon for like seven bucks and, and get it sent to you. Just this book of the Bible, just Song of Solomon. Now, now I don't think it's necessary, but this is what I'm going to suggest. In my Bible, Song of Solomon, there's some passages in here that actually is spoken from the bridegroom. And I underlined mine in red because the bridegroom is Christ Jesus speaking to us. And so it will help. It will actually help if you mark it in your Bible. And you can, and I can show you how to do that later on. It will help you mark it that you can see the different voices speaking to you. All right? Now, I believe he's asking us to go through this because he wants to release... Um, a, a few things. I think the first thing the Lord wants to do is release a hunger to encounter Him through His Word. Okay, Because the Lord desires you to encounter Him through His Word. And then I believe the Lord desires to release something we're going to call beloved identity. It's like, I, like I, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I'm lots of things. But the most important thing about me is that I am beloved. I'm beloved. That, that is the greatest thing that I have about myself. And you, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're serving a church. It doesn't matter if you're a church board member. It doesn't matter if you're part of the worship team. It doesn't matter if you're an ordained elder in the church of Nazarene. That, it doesn't make a hill of beans. The most important thing about you is that he says you are beloved. Yes. Now, the most famous Bible verse in all the Bible is John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that... Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall inherit eternal life. Now, why did he do that for you? Because he loves you. Okay? And not only does he love you in the sense that he, he didn't just love you at one time and he did something in a moment of passion. Okay? Because some of us, we make decisions in a moment, but we have to deal with the consequences for a lifetime. That's, that's not what happened here. He loved you, for God so loved the world, but God so loves the world. It's, it's a perpetual love. And so, I'm going to tell you, by the time we're done with this, you're going to be okay being loved by God. Alright. Now, we're going to read this text, and... Now, I believe it's appropriate to do this. Everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the coming Christ, okay? And so you can read it as literal, which it is a literal story. This is the Song of Psalms or the Song of Solomon. Solomon wrote this to speak to his bride, the Shulamite woman. All right, I'm just laying some groundwork. 
Now, you can read it like his love letter or his song to his bride, which is the truth. And the reason why it's called Song of Songs is because it was the greatest song that's ever been written. Like we just sang some songs. Those are really good songs. This is the greatest song that has ever been written. It's like Ecclesiastes, which Solomon also wrote. It's called the Vanity of Vanities, which means that, that he's like, everything's fleeting in this life. Nothing's important other than Yahweh is what he's saying in that. But you get to this one and he says, this is the song of all songs. This is the most important song. And I actually believe the reason why it's not taught on, the reason why it's not preached on, the reason why we skip over it and we read it and we giggle like we're 12 and 13 year old kids through it is because the enemy would deceive us so that we don't get this bridal identification or this, this bridal identity or this beloved identity that he so desperately wants the church to have. So why wouldn't he distract us? Now, Jesus says this in John 5.39. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think in them is eternal life. In, and he says, it is in these that they testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So I say that. When we're reading this, when you're reading this, it's speaking of Jesus. It may not be the Gospels in the sense that you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and, and you're like, well, it's Old Testament, it's whatever. It's Jesus telling the Pharisees, the religious people, he's like, you're ignorant because you don't realize this is actually talking about me. And so when you look at this, the Lord can reveal his heart and his character and nature to you. And so here, here's my prayer as we start to go in this as a, as a family. My, my prayer is that we receive a revelation of Jesus' beauty. He really is beautiful. Yes. He really is beautiful. I pray you receive a revelation of his beauty. And, 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 uh, and again, I, I pray that you receive a revelation of his emotions for you. Amen. Now, now, don't get all weirded out and think, well, it's not emotional. Well, I, when you read some of this stuff and he's like, I'm burning for my bride or, or with one look. We, we quote this one a lot when I pray a lot. But with one glance of your eyes, you've ravished his heart. Like, that's not a fake, that's not a cold dry, I love that. Like, that is like, I love it. Right? That's like Revelation chapter 1, where it says he has eyes like fire, that burn like fire. And again, why they burn like fire? Because they burn with devotion and love for his bride. Like, I think this, here, 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 here's what I pray you receive a revelation of. Like, I think in this setting, like, we have a revivalistic language. We do. Some of y'all, when you pray, you say stuff like Papa, which is Abba, Father, Abba, God, you know. And that, there's truth to that. The problem is, is that we can learn the language and never experience the intimacy. Right. And I believe the Lord would have us move beyond the language and into the actual intimacy. Come on. I believe that we'll receive a revelation of Jesus' commitment to share his heart with us as our bridegroom king. Like he's committed to revealing himself to us. And then I hope and pray that we begin to respond to him with obedience. 
bridegroom or the bride. Like this was not intentional. I always put I won't like to that. It was not intentional. I actually I joked with the worship team. I wore white today because Labor Day's in a few weeks. And so I just wanted to get it out of the way really quick to please my wife. So anyway. Maybe it's actually prophetic, but we wear white today because we're brides. Alright, so here's some characters when you read this book. Here's some characters. The first is Solomon. That's the author of the book. Now it's the Holy Spirit that divinely inspired him to write this. But Solomon, he's the king, but he also, he, he, he is the bridegroom king who possesses all power, but filled with affection for his people. And so Christ Jesus is our bridegroom king that is filled with affection for his people. All right? Then there's the Shulamite woman, which is the bride. And now there's a couple interesting things. You can read this, and you can see how this bride, at first she's really, she's always enamored with him throughout this text. But really it takes you through the process of engagement until fully devoted, committed, burning with passion marriage is what's going by the time you get to chapter 8. And so you get to see this process that she goes through. And, and it takes us through this process of revelation. Then there's the friends or the daughters of Jerusalem. And these women, depending on what your Bible says in those subheadings. And, and these are women. And I believe that they actually represent immature believers. I say immature believers. It, it's like you understand that, that some of us, what, what, I say some of us, all of us are immature. We're all grown in Christ. But some of you have been following Christ longer. And some people, they grow in Christ faster. And so there's levels of maturity. The daughters of Jerusalem represent immature believers that, that actually want to say, can you show me how to get closer to the king? And if we could do anything at all over the next few weeks or several weeks, it would be, Lord, show us how we can get closer to the king. Amen. Okay? And so they represent that. And then there's there's uh, uh, the watchmen. The watchmen are listed in Song of Solomon 3.3 and 5.7. 3.3, they help the Shulamite ride out. 5.7, it actually says that they strike her. I actually believe that's a picture of the religious spirit that appears to help people, that appears to say to do the right things. But if we are content with just hanging around the religious spirit, we actually get wounded. Okay? And so, so I don't know if we'll teach on them or not, but I just wanted to point the main characters out because, again, it switches back and forth on who's talking all throughout this. And, again, I can help you with that, but I just want to make you aware who is in this story. Now, this story, I believe, is, again, a picture of an immature bride growing into a fully mature bride. Now, he's going back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, which is a picture of a mature bride. Amen. He's not coming back for people who just prayed a prayer one time and they were right. vacation Bible school to go to heaven. Come on. You know, we say we scare the hell out of kids and then we don't teach them how to walk in intimacy with the Lord. And then we wonder why they leave when they get older and go buck wild. Well, maybe if they could learn to live in intimacy with Christ, maybe that would change things, right? Yes. So, so this is a story about growing from intimacy, really from courtship all the way to a beautiful marriage. And, and 
paints a picture of this. Like what's courtship? Like the Lord has courted each and every one of us. There's that we, we talk about it in this in our in our in our tribe. We we say there's a thing called provenient grace where, where no one comes to him unless he first draws us. There's that wooing, there's that beckoning. Even this morning Logan said, Come and forward and pray, right? There's that you, you spoke, but you believe the Lord was speaking because the Lord is wanting to draw people closer to him. He desires to court you. What 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 is courtship? I mean, honestly, courtship is trying to woo one another. <laughs> Back when I was courting April, dating April, that was when I was clean shaved. I'm still trying to impress her. <laughs> but back then, I made sure I shaved every single day because when I seen her, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to impress. I wanted to woo her. Word. <laughs> but anyway, you understand, there's, the, there's, this, there's that courtship, but, but, but the Lord desires us to go from beyond the wooing to something more. I actually think it's like this, and some of you guys have been married for a really long time. It's it's actually sitting in the it's that's a good thing. Being married to the same person for a really long time is a good thing. All right. So there's this. There's this. <laughs> I'm having new counseling. <laughs> there's this. There's this. Being in the same like how many married couples can do this? Like how many all can finish each other's sentences? <laughs> Yeah, the mayor knows <laughs> How many of y'all know that when you say something that your significant other, you already know how they're going to respond? It's that growth and maturity with one another. And the Lord would have us begin to grow in maturity with one another, with Him. All right? So, so let's just look at this. All right. That's enough introduction. intimately encounter the Lord through His Word. We need to intimately encounter the Lord through His Word. Song of Psalms 1. I'm just going to start with verse 1. The Song of Psalms, which is Solomon's. Again, Solomon wrote it. It's the greatest song that was ever written. Great. I mean, seriously, could you, like, if you start reading this, could you imagine your spouse writing you this? Like, like it, I, I guarantee you, it would make your heart flutter, right? Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, and in verse 2 it says this. This is the bride, the Shulamite woman speaking. She says, may, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine, and your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name is like purified oil, therefore the maidens love you. See, the Lord desires that, like, like, the Lord would desire that we begin to encounter Him in His Word because that's how we get to know Him. And yet, we can, you can get to know Him through worship, you can get to know Him through prayer, but I, I'm telling you, Christ said that you don't know me, you don't know about the Father, or you just read it, anyway. You don't know Him. You don't realize that these things point to Him. 
And if we could fall in love with this, we could fall in love with Him. And, and if you could fall in love with Him, you, you're, I promise you this. If you could fall in love with Him, you're going to have bad days. But if you could fall in love with Him, your bad days are not going to eat your lunch, right? Or if they eat your lunch for a little bit, you're going to finally be like, no, that's my lunch, right? And you take it back. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to give you my food. But, but, but we need to fall in love with this Word because that's how He reveals Himself to us. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, sometimes I struggle reading or His Word's boring. I heard a preacher say this, so I'm going to quote him. The Word's not boring, we're boring. Right. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm so, like, there's some cool stuff. I mean, David, a shepherd boy's like, oh, there's a giant, right? And everyone's like cowering along. And he's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, right? That's disgracing the living God. And so David goes and runs and takes a takes a rock and bolt, sinks in his head, and then jumps over top of him and full slice of the dude's head off. Like, that's not boring. <laughs> you see, like, it's really amazing. Or Jesus sees a man with a withered hand, and he says, stretch it out, right? And he heals it, and he says, bring it back in, and it goes back to the way it was withered, and he says, stretch it out, and he heals Like, that stuff's not boring. I want you to fall in love with what you're reading again. And he walks across the water, like, that. that's not boring. <laughs> now, You've heard me say this again. If you don't understand what you're reading, it's okay. Pick a translation that you can understand the best. All right? And if you still don't understand it, read it anyway because it's not meant to be read with your hot head. It's meant to be read with your heart. And it begins to transform you from the inside out. And, and then if you're like, I really struggle reading, I mix up letters, listen to it. Listen to it. All right. So let's look at this. <laughs> It's not boring. He said, the bride says this, man, he kissed me with the kisses of his mouth. Like, what in the world does that mean? Let me read the Passion translation in this verse. It actually says this, let him smother me with kisses. <laughs> his spirit kissed the vine. So are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. So, now, here, this is a cry for more. We pray that here. We want more, God. We want more, God. The Shulamite bride was saying, I need more. I know who you are, but I want to experience you. I need to know you in your fullness. And so she's like, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And, and, I, and so what, is that, what does that even mean? Well, it's like it's, it's what's said in Deuteronomy 4.4. 4. It's what's said in Luke 4.4. 4, and it's what's said in Matthew 4.4. 4. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. So the bride is saying, in order for me to know you more intimately, she's like, would you kiss me with the kisses of his mouth? What comes from the mouth of the bridegroom king? His words. She's like, let me encounter you more deeply with your word. I actually think it's impossible to fall in love with Jesus if we don't fall in love with his word. I don't say that. I don't, when I say stuff, I don't say that to be mean. I say that as the Lord's giving an invitation to fall in love with this word. Okay? That's it. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. 
Now, this is a cry for more. This is a prayer to know him more deeply and more intimately. And 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 I, I again you hear me say stuff like I, I don't think it's enough to know facts about God. I want to know God. Actually, Jesus said that this is eternal life, that they may know him. Right? What no, you know, so it's it's to intimately know. And it's not enough to be like, my wife has blonde hair. It's, it's not enough to say your wife has brown hair. Right? It, 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 that's not that's not oh that's a successful marriage. <laughs> but like it's not enough to do that. The Lord desires to us to know each other's hearts, to know each other's passions, to know each other's likes, dislikes. You understand? Like it's not enough just to be able to recite facts. Like I can recite facts about movie stars, but that doesn't mean that I intimately know them, right? It's about knowing his ebbs and his flows. It's, it's about I think it's about him waking you up 20 minutes before your alarm goes off. And, and rather than going, oh, I'm so tired, I wish I could go to bed, maybe he's waking you up because he wants to spend time with you. Because he's like, we haven't had enough time this week, but I really just give me a few minutes, right? Yesterday morning, we got to spend an hour and a half out on our back porch, which we've been really busy lately and haven't been able to do that. And it was just so nice to get to sit with my wife back there and just talk and drink coffee together. Maybe the Lord would like us to go from knowing facts about him so that we can post it on Facebook and sound like we're Sally Super Christian, right? And Stephen Super Christian. We'll make it polite. We'll both sexes. But, but, but maybe we need to move beyond that to actually knowing Him. And when you begin to know Him, when you begin to know Him, I'm going to say this. You don't care. Now, I'm not talking about a spirit of pride and being angry. But when you begin to know Him, you don't care what people think. And I say that. I say that like, like that's the problem with most holiness movements. That's the problem with most churches is that we're like, well, I'm concerned what they all think about me. And I, I don't want them to like, uh, Morgan says this sometimes, that like Jesus slid off my crackers, right? <laughs> and it's one of my favorite saying. Like we're scared to death of that people see that our Jesus slid off of our crackers. And rather than just saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to love him intimately. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to chase after him. Psalm 42 says, my soul chases hard after thee. Like we're going to go after him because that's the only thing that really matters. Yeah. And his word is better than any other pleasure. She says, let, me, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And then she says, your love's better than wine. Whatever. 
it's, not, it's so easy to go through all those things. It's so easy to go through the motions. It's so easy to, to do this stuff and then go home and not feel loved and not realize what he has for you. It, it's easy to do that and then be like, well, I, 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 I'm doing all the right stuff. What, 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 what if... What if the Lord wants to move us from beyond just going through the motions and take us deeper? And then, and then, and then this. Because, because if He wants to take you beyond those things, you're, you're going to be given the opportunity, not just here, you'll be given the opportunity where you're confronted with lesser pleasures. Now, there's some stuff I like. Like, there's lots of stuff I like. There's lots of stuff I like to do. And, and and there's a lot of things that's really good. But if but if we end up attributing them more pleasure than we can get from the Lord, then they become perverse. Does that make sense? And so so when he's saying, when she's saying that your your love is sweeter than wine, it, it would be like this. Like this, I spend hours. Oh, they like that most. I loved. Oh, they didn't like it. They're doing angry face. Like, like this sounds so stupid because it is stupid. Yeah. But we place so much value in that. Come on. And then, then you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this. And and like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. Like, if we're checking this before we get out of bed in the morning, we probably have a problem. with a lesser pleasure. It's not a bad pleasure. But if it becomes an obsession, right. it, it becomes just, right. I'll throw some pushback there, so yeah. some of y'all probably get right. right. See, and I'm, I'm just as guilty as the rest of them, man. I am. It, it, it could be, I mean, it could be, more, it could be something that's working out. It could be fishing. It could be all these things. If those things become more pleasurable to you, than him, then that's what the Lord is desiring to change. And, and and so I would say this, I would say this, like, let's just, let's try to be, let's just remove this and spend time with him until you feel like you're good. But he's not a checklist. He's not a checklist. Like, like, I promise you, like, if your spouse, if you're like, if you did this to your spouse, like, if, if I did this to her and I was like, Spent 15 minutes together today. We're done. <laughs> he talked to me enough to the equivalent that he talked to me enough today, April. It was basically one chapter. Wow. We're good. Yeah. Let me meditate on that for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like when we start to to, to relegate him into this thing, like like I, I, I like I, I just want him. I I, I just want us to be obsessed with him. whatever that looks like. And this isn't trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying there's a lot more available and there's a lot more to experience if he would become the priority. And she's like, look, that's why David could say, I have tasted and seen, right? Once you taste and see, like it is like, oh, nothing else satisfies. 
That, that's why. That's what causes you to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I just got to get my knees, man. And some of you have no clue what I'm talking about, but I promise you, the Lord desires you too, so to understand this, okay? All right. Now, and then I'll say this, nearness, it brings freedom. Yes. The closer you get to the Lord, the more free you're going to be. I, I promise you. I, I actually, I, I say this, like, I've been enough places and preached enough places, like, you can almost see the closeness that people have with Yahweh by, by the freedom that they have. And I'm not talking about being flaky, but I'm saying, like, there's some that really worship God, and, and it can look like all shapes or forms, and then there's some that you're holding on this, you're seeking for dear life because you are scared to death to let go. And the Lord, the Lord, I like, I just don't think that's worship. Like, I think there's a fear of the Lord. <laughs> God, I, I, I just, I think he desires that he's free for he's free. Yeah. And I said this last week, it's, it's, it, it's freedom for yourself. Yes. We're our own worst enemies when it comes to worship. It's caused by the same thing. 
And so, so the Lord desires to set people free of all of those things. Let me, let me say it like this. I don't want you to say it out loud, but what do you wrestle with? Like every person in this room probably has something you struggle with. What do you wrestle with? What if, and this isn't a workspace thing, but what if it's nearness that actually brings our freedom? What, what if, what if, what if your freedom has nothing to do with the person laying hands on you? What, what if, like, what if, it, what if it has nothing to do with not speaking the prophetic word of you? What if it has nothing to do with that? Those things are great. What if it has everything to do with our proximity to Him? And nearness to Him? Yes. Because we'll say it like this. And this isn't to make people feel guilty if you wrestle with things, because that's not what this is. Because I actually think that if you're struggling with something, some things the Lord gives you is holy grace. And He'll help you, and He'll help you, and He'll help you. But I think nearness is the answer to every single problem that we have. Because some, now some of the things are really big life issues, or like, like a chronic sickness, and I'm not really talking about that. But if I can get near to Him, seems bigger than my sickness, right? Yeah. Or if I can get near to Him, I see how beautiful He is. And if I see how beautiful He is, some of these things that are lesser pleasures, they don't seem like they bring as much pleasure anymore. They actually become inconsequential in His presence. And the Lord would desire us to get like a, an elevated view of who He is, a bigger view of who He is. And it happens if we get enamored with Him. And I, I joked about this a few weeks ago. That's why that's why the cherubim, the cherubim around the front room, that's why they're doing this. Holy, holy, holy. There's these weird creatures in heaven covered with eyeballs all over their body. Some, sounds like something straight out of a horror flick. And they're going, holy, 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 holy. And as they're turning, those eyes are fixing their gaze on the Lord. And they're covered with eyes because they never want to take their eyes off of Him. And they're just going, holy, 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 holy. And they get so enamored with His beauty that that's the only response that they can think to say. Wow. I just think it's beautiful. Yes. I just think it's beautiful. If we could get enamored with Him, I think the Lord starts to set us free. And, and it'll be like this, like... Most of my life, I wrestled with one people's approval. And it started, I actually think it was this. I actually think it was from baseball days, trying to be the best out there so that I would uh, uh, get a scholarship. That was, my, that was my job. It was what my parents wanted. And it was a good thing. It, it worked out. But see, everything was always the way you look, the way you presented yourself, so that they would have a certain perception of you. It's actually, like, I'll tell you this, too. This was before Jesus' days. Like, I'm 5'10". I'm 5'10". Everything that my parents ever sent a spouse said I was 6 foot tall. <laughs> because that way they would get an even look at me, right? It's like, we try to keep up appearances. And what if it's not about what I am or where I'm lacking? What if I get caught up in his beauty and his abundance? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I feel like... I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface here. Yeah. Just a whole lot. Now here, here's, I say that. Because what I'm about to say, we 
will not receive unless what I first said you do. Like, unless we fall in love with him and hear and spend a time with him, like what I'm about to receive, like you may articulate it in your real sweet language, but you will not ever receive from him. And that's a revelation of the love that I give you. We'll skip forward to verse 5. This is, this is the Shulamite. This is the bride speaking. She says, I'm black but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm swerving, for the sun has burned me. She's, she's, saying she's, she's saying her skin doesn't look pretty. She, she's been burned. You know what sunburn looks like, right? She's got, she, she's burned. And she's like, don't look at me because I'm not pleasant to look at. And then she goes on. She says, the sun has burned me. And then she gives the excuse for why she looks the way that she does. She said, my mother's sons, her brothers, were angry at me. They made me the caretaker of the vineyards. But I've not even taken care of my own thing. And then she transitions. She says, Tell me, O oh, whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like the one who fails herself besides the flock of your companions? This may actually be one of the most important passages in the entire Bible. Here's this Shulamite woman who loves the king. But she feels unworthy to be in his presence because of her appearance. She says, I've been burned. Like she says, she's black. It doesn't mean like African American black. She said, I, my skin is black. I actually think that's a prophetic picture of what it looks like if we're in Adam instead of Christ. Because let's be honest, like I like I don't think I have to actually point out a bunch of stuff that you all maybe do it wrong. Because I think you probably feel guilty enough as it is. I feel like I'm supposed to present Jesus to you because I can make you feel guilty all I want. I really could. I, like that's what just you can present things in a way to make people guilty. Or I can present Christ to you and you say, I want to get free because of what he's doing this. Does that make sense? And, and I actually think, I actually think some people were brought up in very, a very legalistic upbringing. And, and, and you talk to some people that have left the church, hate the church. Why is it? Because it was this instead of this. So she says, I'm black, I'm swarthy. I'm, I'm not... I'm not pleasant to look at. And there's some of you that you'll come in here, you love God. You do, you love God. You, 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 you come in, you serve, you do stuff, you right? You give, you talk, you do all these things. You stand up, you worship. If someone needs help, you help them. You, you, you love God. But you feel unworthy to be loved by God. And what if the Lord can break that off? 
what if the Lord could say, it doesn't matter how you feel, my feelings, as in the Lord God Almighty, His feelings trump what you feel. What if you could actually say, I am actually beloved? What if you could actually transition and start stop saying it like, then, then like, let me phrase it like this, like, what if you couldn't say, like, if I said, do you know Jesus? And you go, I believe something happened to you. Maybe you weren't loved as a child, right? All these types of things. And some things are not your fault. I just want to say that. Or maybe someone took advantage of you. Or maybe someone manipulated you. Or maybe someone caused you to do something that you did not feel like you should do, but you did it anyway out of submission. Whatever that is. And there are things that we wrestle with that are not your fault. That's right. right. That's what she's saying. She's like, I can't be in your presence because of what's happened to me. I feel it. It must be you. It must be in the room. Because of what's happened to me. And I love what his response is to her. His response to her is probably the most beautiful response. Look at verse 8. He says this. Oh, if you don't know, if you do not know, most beautiful among women, I just stop right there. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It does not matter what you've experienced. It really does not matter one bit. What matters is is what he says and thinks about you. Now, now someone will say, well, that's cheap grace. Yes, it is. But when I begin to look at him, it actually changes and realigns what I think, what I feel, how I act. He says, oh, you don't know. I actually think he says this with tears in his eyes. If you don't know the most beautiful among women, go forth on the trail of the flock and the pasture of your young goats to by the tents of the shepherds. To me, my darling. That's not something that he would say to a bride that he thought was ugly. That's the language. That's the language of someone that deeply loves. That's it. That, that, that's the language of lovers. To you, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Like some of us will understand because of culture peculiarities. Your cheeks are lovely ornaments. Your neck with the string of beads. We will make for you ornaments of gold with beads of silver. The bridegroom hears the excuses that the bride was making on why she wasn't worthy to be in his presence. And he says, I don't care. Some of you make excuses why you cannot be in the Lord's presence. I gotta get my act together. <laughs> like that's like look seriously. First of all, you, you can't change yourself. The Holy Spirit's who changes. Yeah, amen. And and it tears me up because I understand like some of us are like, well, if I could just switch this first and then I'll spend time with God. And maybe the answer for that switch coming is just spending time with God. 
He says, my darling, most beautiful one, most beautiful among women. He actually means you're the most radiant, which I think that's that's what that translates as. So that's really fascinating too, isn't it? She says, I'm black and my skin, uh, my, my, my skin is black, my skin's burnt. And he says, you're radiant. So like that's black, that wall's black. The lights are radiant. You think you're that, I think you're this. Yeah, this, but I say you're that. You think this way about you, but I say this over you. See, you can say, I am unworthy, and he says, oh, you're worthy. You can say, I'm unvaluable, he says, oh, I think you're valuable. You you can say, I'm no good, he says, I think you're full of good, right? You can say, I am worthless, and he says, you're full of infinite worth. You can say, I'm full of fear, and he says, okay, I'm filled with love, and my perfect love is going to come and fill you and remove all of your fear. See, there's this there's this reality that if we could get to, I actually think this would change the way that we walk. I think it would change the way that we talk if we could just say, I'm beloved. Yes. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to strive for it. By the way, you don't strive for it. But I read my 17 chapters today. I'm beloved. And tomorrow I read 12 chapters. Oh, I'm a no dirty, I'm a no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel today, right? Like we do stuff like that. And then, and then you know what happens? You're like, well, I, I didn't read yesterday. I didn't spend time today praying. So tomorrow comes along. I didn't yesterday. I'm not going to today. And next thing you know, a week comes. And then you're like, you know what? I, I'm just, I'm the worst of the worst. And so I'm just going to hide from him altogether because he's going to be mad when I come back. What if that's actually not the case? Well, seriously, some of us have an improper view. You think he's angry and he's mean and you think he's nasty. But what if he really is a loving bridegroom that just says, I just want to spend time with my bride? What if I what if, what if we could get so convinced of his beauty and his goodness that we didn't have to be lectured about what's right and wrong? Because if you could get so caught up in his goodness, it, it would be like the wrong would be so inconsequential. It's like, I don't care about that. I care about this. Amen. This flies in the face of everything that I was taught on. When he says, my darling, that means my dearest one. <laughs> you could actually translate that as the one that I'm obsessed with. Come on. Like,
this. Like, I need to go work. I started working McDonald's for five dollars fifteen cents an hour, <laughs> so I could buy my phone cards because I could not wait to hear her voice. Well, just like, and I was thinking, like, I've been here two hours. This is this is a terrible job. Just terrible. Like, especially when they put me in the back. And I had to, like, when I first got hired, they put me out front with the cash register, which was hard because I was really shy and backwards. And they like like it was terrible. It was terrible at the beginning. And then they put me in the back over the grills and that was terribly hot, nasty, and sweaty. It was just that. And I come home and I'd wash and I'd still smell like hamburgers when I got home. But I think I've been here two hours. By the time they take the taxes out, that's eight minutes I get to talk to. I was obsessed. What if says dearest one, which actually is one I'm obsessed with. What if you're the object of his obsession? And I told you, so it's going to make you uncomfortable. I actually think this is probably one of the greatest revelations that we, the church, could get. Because I, I think, if we're honest, like, we've kind of even went through this in the church. Like, we went through kingdom, and we believe in kingdom, we believe that everything on heaven should be here on earth. That's Matthew 6, 10. We went through the revelation of being a son and a daughter of God. Like, that's really easy to say, like, he's God, he's Father. Like, that's easy. I say easy. For some, it's hard. What if he wants to take you beyond that? That's where you're the object of his affection. That's why the Bible says you're the apple of his eye. You're the center of his world. It is. I, I, I think, I'll tell you one thing, I think it releases one of the greatest provides. What if we as parents can get so rooted in the idea that we're loved by God? question of our kids that they were ever loved by God. There's aunts, there's uncles, grandparents. And one of our kids got so rooted in the idea that God loved them, that their name is beloved, yes. that they didn't have to scroll through this for hours to receive validation. Right? That they didn't have to, and, and, and again, and then they wouldn't have to put a bunch of filters to make themselves uh, appear a certain way. And, and, or they wouldn't have to be like, like take 15 pictures so you can have a profile picture. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about there too, right? It's like, ah, uh, let's tilt a little bit more to the right because two inches this way, I look really fat. But if I turn it this way, I look a little more skinny, right? I mean, <laughs> don't take it down below because then you look bigger. I take it up high. There's all kinds of rules I've learned. And, like, like, it sounds really silly. It sounds really silly. But I actually think that the root of it is, is we don't understand how much he loves us. <laughs> I think that the root of it is, is we don't understand how much he cares for us. Because if we do, it's a bit like if, if we actually got a revelation, like, I don't want to look nice. 
But like, I'm not gonna make myself miserable to impress people that I really don't care if like me or not, right? And then, then, this, what we do, it wouldn't be about do this and do that, to go on this and go on that. Be like I, I just, I'm just so gripped by how you think and feel you mean that I won't do anything to read your heart. I won't do anything to upset you. And actually, I'm not even worried about upsetting you. Oh, but well, actually, that's a picture of the fire sanctification. I was just gonna say it like I feel it first. What what if what if I'm not worried about making him upset because I'm so in love with him because he's so in love with us? What what happens is what happens is you'll start to hear stuff like this or think stuff like this. You're like, oh, I just want to give him a piece of mind, right? Let's make it practical and say, no, maybe that would breathe God's heart. Maybe I need to hold back. Maybe, maybe I need to let the Holy Spirit work that situation out. Right? You know, let him do what he does. I'm just going to do what I do. That's why I think James had that picture. We talked about this verse before. That's why James said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. What if, what if my only job is actually just submitting? Which would be a picture of the one verse that really makes people squirm, especially in marriage counseling, which says, wives submit to your husbands. What if we look at like, and that's not a spin, that's not what it is. Because right before it, it says, husbands loves your wives as Christ loved the church. He died for the church. <laughs> but what if, what if we men in the room, or we women in the room, who are the bride of Christ, said, wives, Submit to your husband, who is Christ Jesus. Yeah. What does it look like that? You understand, like, it's just whatever you want. You do. My, my, I'm just yours. So here's what I promise. I said, I promise this. I believe. I believe. Everything's built upon that reality. 
It's not about it's not about how we believe in the kingdom, we believe in the presence of God like we do, but it's not about that. It, it's, it's about getting rooted in what he thinks about you. That's right. And all the other stuff comes afterwards. I really that's do. Right. right. That's why in Mark 16 it says these signs will follow those who believe. Well, what do I believe? I believe him. And then those signs follow, they accompany. It's not about the signs and wonders, it's about him. That's right. And he just brings his whole world with him. So he so 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 she established right off the bat. This gets established. Now I'm going to flip forward. I'm going to share. I'll share this here in a few weeks, probably when we get to the very end of this. But here's what's fascinating: is, is look at I lost my place. Look at verse uh, chapter eight, verse six. This is the bridegroom speaking to the bride. This isn't our prayer. This isn't the bride saying, do this to me. This is the Lord saying, would you all, us, the church, do this to me? All right? Put me, Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is severe as she always held. Its flashes of fire, or its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. I actually believe that, that the book starts with, this is who you are, and it ends with the Lord saying, place me like a seal over your heart. Guard your heart. That's a picture of Ezekiel 36 where the Lord says this, Ezekiel prophesied, said, you take out your heart of stone, I'll give you heart of flesh. He puts it in him and he puts his skill, he puts his stamp. That's a picture of that's a picture of the Lord writing his words on your heart, right? He no longer writes them on the tablets of man, tablets of stone, he writes them on your heart. He says, and while you're doing that, let me just place me like a seal on your heart. I'm the one that's going to hold it together. I'm the one that's going to take care of you. And then he says, oh, my God, I'll probably put on your arm too. And I actually think it's a picture of this. If he does something internally in my heart, he actually puts something on me that the world can see. So what if I don't have to broadcast this? Now, let me first. What, what if I don't have to wear 50 Christian t-shirts all the time? I, 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 I like puns. The jerseys like puns more than anyone I know. Well, Missy doesn't, but we send them to her. <laughs> In the group chat, something's really funny. What if we don't have to have little pithy things? What, what, what if... What if what if we don't have to run around going, I'm Christian? Yeah, yes. Right? Amen. Like, Jesus, what if you don't have to run around like that? What if people actually know you from your love? Yes. What if it's just written right on you? Yeah. Now, I think we ought to let people know, but I don't think we need to be turned stuff. What I want to do. I'm, I'm going to ask you all to stand for that. Let me just do it. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to pray.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.